Welcome to the Ignatius Press Podcast. I'm Mark Brumley. I hope you enjoy the discussion in this episode. For more information about Ignatius Press, check out our website at ignatius.com. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Rose Trabick, and I am the publicist for Ignatius Press. I am joined today by one of our amazing authors, Kendra Tierney, who comes to us all the way from California. And Kendra is a wife. She's a mom of 10 kids from a college student all the way down to little ones. And she is just an amazing resource that we have at Ignatius Press. We are so excited to have you today, Kendra. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Um, we're going to be talking about one of your books, see here on the screen, hopefully, The Catholic All-Year Compendium, Liturgical Living for Real Life. And Kendra, I just wanted to kind of start off by talking about that subtitle of your book, Liturgical Living for Real Life. What is liturgical living for those of us who are not familiar with it, and how do you keep it real in your home? All right. Yeah, good, good question. So, uh, the, the liturgical calendar is, is basically how the Catholic Church um, keeps track of all the feast days and seasons of the year. So that means, you know, we're familiar with Advent and Christmas and Lent and Easter. And then we've got two sections of ordinary time. And then in addition to that, we have individual days dedicated to different saints to uh, historical events in the lives of the Jesus and the Holy Family and events that happened in the early church. Uh, and, uh, you know, within there we have, you know, fasting days and, and, and days of celebration. It mostly refers to the way that we celebrate the mass. That's, that's really what, you know, when we talk about the liturgy, that's what we mean. But liturgical living is the idea of bringing those uh, seasons and days home with us for mass and making them part of our uh, lives at home, part of our family, part of our our family culture. Uh, and I really love this. <laughs> <laughs> so great! It, it makes it so interesting for kids, especially. It really brings it to life for them. You know, we go to mass on Sundays, and then you come home, and for many people, it's easy just to kind of go to your day to day life and kind of forget about the faith. But this really keeps it alive in your family every day, right? Absolutely, it does. And it's really, you know, it's sort of the traditional way that um, that the church has has catechized um, the the faithful. And there are, uh, there's a beautiful encyclical um, that established the Feast of Christ the King, which is the, at the end of November. And in it, the I don't remember which Pope was explaining that the reason that the church gives us these feast days is because he could give a homily and that would be forgotten almost immediately. You know, he could write a book, he could write a paper and it would be, you know, read by a few. And But a feast day makes that celebration, it is meant to make that celebration a part of the lives of the faithful and something that we come back to again year after year. And what he wanted was us to think about and discuss in our families and in our communities, what does it mean for Christ to be our king? Um, and, you know, especially for Americans, that's something that's, that is hard for us to wrap our heads around. But I just love that idea that, that, that feast days exist on purpose 
you know, for uh, for us to make the faith part of of our day to day lives. That's um, great. Yes, absolutely. And, <laughs> um, and, and you know, and your question about about for real life is um, that that these days were really a, sort of intended to be celebrated. I think in community, in parishes, in neighborhoods and towns, and that. I, I think we are doing a better job of that than we were 10 or 20 years ago, but you know, it's still not the norm. Um, but so, so that's the goal. I think that's the long-term goal is, is to, is to bring that back into sort of our consciousness uh, as, as Catholics and to celebrate these days together and, and, you know, and get that, that sense of community and celebration and catechism back. But until then, you know, celebrating in your home, in your with your family is is a wonderful thing to do. Uh, still, and and you know, and we reap those benefits in a, a you know a smaller circle. But but the real life portion is is that you can tweak the way that you that that you do your liturgical living in the home right. to reflect the way that your family usually does things, your normal family routine. So, you know, if, if you often go out, you know, on, on family outings or you often go out to dinner or something, you can sort of look ahead to the liturgical calendar and choose to do things on days when, that might give it a little bit more meaning. For us, it's mostly dinner table based because, you know, we, family dinner is really important to us. So, so for us, that's really the focus. Um, right. is, is on cooking meals that are traditionally associated with the feast day or just having, you know, something that feels a little bit special and, and then just having those conversations around the dinner table. I love that, Kendra. And that makes it very doable for, I think, a busy mom because everyone has to make dinner. So with just a little bit of planning, you can incorp incorporate this liturgical living into your cooking, which is a win-win for everybody. Um, one of the things that I really appreciate about your book, again, <laughs> is that it's all in chronological order. So one thing that I do, I keep it right here on my desk. And when I meal plan, I just flip through it and I see, look ahead to the week. And I say, oh, OK, this feast day is coming out, I'm making my menu. I'm thinking about what we're going to eat. Um, and I love that uh, it's very practical what you have because it can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be. Um, one example, recently we had the Blessed Mother's birthday here. And, you know, I think you suggest in the book having a birthday cake for the Blessed Mother. And that's something where like you can go to the grocery store and get a store-bought cake, or you can make a fancy gourmet layer cake, whatever you have time to do. So it's very, I think sometimes people can get overwhelmed thinking about liturgical living, but it is very accessible. Um, the ideas you give, they're very easy to tailor to what you have going on in your family. And I just really love that about the book. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, I know when I, um, when I first started looking into to these sorts of things to, to do them with my um, kids who were young at the time, what I could really find was crafts that were sort of based on, um, you know, things that people were doing in like CCD classes, I guess. And I, that's just not my. <laughs> um, Neither, Kendra, I'm with you. 
just on the game you don't know. <laughs> but but really, my like my point in bringing that up is, if you like crafts, definitely do crafts. Yes. Um, but you know, for us, what has worked out to to keep this up for many years, you know, we we've been doing it twelve for. 12 or 14 years now pretty regularly uh, as part of our our family life and you know coming back to some of these same things again and again and um right. i love that there's really traditions that people that the kids remember right and again sometimes you have to kind of wing it right <laughs> sometimes mm -hmm. you're like, oh it's uh <laughs> feast day we're having italian food you know but sometimes there's more deeper ideas that you have in the book where you can where you can do that and it's amazing how kids remember right from year to year mm -hmm. remember yeah. that last year you did this activity <laughs> and yeah, I, always, I always tell people that you know it, it's two sides of the coin some people worry oh i didn't start this early enough my kids are you know my kids are too old how, how can i start this now like do it one time in my house and Absolutely. it is what we have always done and we must <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, so, you know, don't, don't worry about starting too late because your kids, uh, my kids anyway, jump right on board. So when you're in the amazing position now having older kids. I only have an 11 year old is my oldest. I'm starting to see this, but yes. I'm, you're seeing that now the older kids are getting involved and they are helping to make these traditions continue, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's something that's been really lovely to to see for me and our family that uh, as the as the kids get older and, you know, they want to help with they want to help with the cooking, which is yes. never my first choice, because, of course, it always makes everything take twice as long. But I really do that. That's something that motivates me is all right it's a feast day meal i'm not going to kick everybody outside i'm not going to kick everybody out of the kitchen i will let you help <laughs> but that means that then you know years that i have been you know pregnant and not feeling up to cooking or you know we my uh, my two-year-old was hospitalized for um for like five weeks right at the beginning of advent which is like our you know some our very favorite feast days and, you know, because I had let my, you know, kids come in and help, they were really able to, to keep things going even uh, without me being able to be there. And, um, you know, now I have kids, multiple kids who can drive and go to the grocery store. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really them engaged to be, to transfer, we, we call it, you know, going from team kid to you know, seeing little kids, team grownups and big kids uh, on the liturgical living front means that that they go from, you know, being the, uh, you know, on the on the side of wonder and excitement of little kids to to being able to to be on the giving side and the and the preparing side. And, you know, both sides are fun. That's great. So why don't we talk today about today's Our Lady of the Rosary? Yes. What do you do for this feast day in your family? What does it look like in the Tierney household? Okay. Yeah, so um, this one is is something that we have have done for a long time, and it's really fun. Is to make a food rosary. Um, so the first place I ever saw it, I think, was in our homeschool group, and we we were doing some sort of event, and somebody brought a like cupcake rosary, you know, with cupcakes for and laid it out on this big table. Amazing, um, but 
I, I sort of took that like, all right, how can I do that for individuals and on a much smaller basis? So what we do is either chocolate chips or cereal. You know, you can do it with um, you know, Lucky Charms. The kids mm. get pretty excited about it. It's got the little marshmallows. It can be the poppers. Um, or the, the one that we most often do is chocolate chips, but you can also do, you know, Cheerios and raisins or um, whatever you've got in the house. And, um, and you can either give the kids, so we, we make out the whole rosary ahead of time with, with big kids or grownups helping, and then they take one off each time and can eat it if they can eat it fast enough or they can put it in a little bowl to you know, have later. So it does end up being a lot of chocolate chips for a little yes. bit. <laughs> okay, it's the feast of Our Lady the Rosary. So if you're gonna have chocolate chips, this is a great time, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but that's really fun. And again, you know, it's just an example of, it's something that the kids get excited about and look forward to year after year and just gives them those positive associations, you know, with the traditions. And then, you know, of course, what we want is to work the rosary into our, our family routine. And, right. you know, it's a great day to think about, like, what's going to work for our family for getting this done? Because, a family rosary is something that is that really could not be more highly encouraged and recommended in the church. There's a plenary indulgence available every single day um, for saying a rosary with your family or with a group of friends or religious community or in a church if you're um, by yourself and with and the usual conditions uh, apply of like receiving communion and uh, going to confession, but, um, you know, so it's not something that we expect that we'll get a plenary indulgence for every time, but if you can't fulfill the conditions for a plenary indulgence, you can get a partial indulgence, which is still very good. Yes. But the idea is that this is something that, you know, that we're told again and again by saints, by popes, by bishops, by Our Lady herself in multiple apparitions, that the rosary is something that's so important. And I know for us, um, the, the way that we are, that we most consistently get to it is in the car. Um, anytime we're going to, we're going on a long car ride, we always say the rosary, uh, together. And my kids just, you know, have that expectation that they just know that we're going to say the rosary in the car. And, uh, and, and that's right. Now, my favorite type of family rosary is sort of, you know, cuddled up on the couch around the fire when it's cool and saying the rosary together like that. But, um, you know, but you can't let the ideal get in the way of getting it done at all. Right. Absolutely. And I love that. And, you know, talking about not letting the ideal get in the way, I used to try to do the rosary in the car and I was, it just kind of never went well until I got a rosary CD. Mm. And then I realized that that's how we could do it because otherwise I'd get distracted. Kids would be goofing off. I'd be like, when you're praying the rosary guys, you know, get all like mad because I didn't want to be distracted while I was driving. But once I let the CD do the work, mm -hmm. beautiful. And the kids love it. Um, another thing is for years, we tried to do the rosary in the evening. Like most people do, like what I did growing up, disaster. Total disaster. <laughs> and then I realized that, okay, if we do it actually in the morning, for some reason that works a lot better for our family because no one's tired, everyone's awake, <laughs> you know, and kind of getting ready so, to start the day. So sometimes you have to be a little strategic, right, with getting the rosary in. Doesn't Absolutely. have to look it looks for everyone else. Um, we have a comment from someone saying we love our rosary CD too. That's awesome. <laughs> Glad I'm not the only one that can't 
lead the rosary and drive at the same time here. <laughs> so, and if you have any questions, anyone who's joining us, um, I should be able to see them um, pop up on the screen. So feel free to ask away here. Um, okay, so we've covered today's feast day, Our Lady of the Rosary. Why don't we look ahead? You know, this next month or so is got so much as far as yeah. Return of the Living goes. Um, I know we have uh, Teresa of Avila's feast day coming up. We have Pope John Paul II. And of course, we have Halloween, All Saints Day, All Souls Day. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about any of those? And kind of, again, just to give people some ideas about what liturgical living is going to look like in your house, hopefully in the next few weeks. Yeah, so the feast of Pope John Paul II is uh, October um, is October twenty second, and that's one that we really that we do have a sort of family activity that we often do, and um, and because he uh, all, all the way you know through his life, including through his pontificate, he was always enjoyed sports and and being outdoors. So we try to go for a family hike. Um, <laughs> or even just to walk around the neighborhood. Sometimes it turns into just walking down the hill to the ice cream place and uh, counting that as a hike. But <laughs> but we do um, we do try to get outdoors and uh, you, you know and enjoy God's creation. Since um, you know the fun thing about the modern saints is that you really can know so much about their actual lives and actual preferences. And for him, we know his favorite dessert. There, you can, there's the actual recipe of his actual favorite dessert, which they now call they call papal cream cake. And it's okay. kind of, it's, you know, pastry and, and it's kind of, it's a little fussy to make, but, right. uh, but uh, you can, you know, sort of do an approximation with, mm -hmm. uh, with, uh, frozen puff pastry dough and vanilla pudding if you if you want to go that route or you can you know make yourself pasty cream and and mm. a fancy layered dessert but it's really delicious this year i haven't done that one yet so yeah and I love, you know i love that you have again those variations you can go all fancy and try to make it you know very beautiful and perfect from scratch or you can kind of wing it and be a little creative and <laughs> I think kids just love whatever you do. That's especially when they're young. Whatever you do, they think is kind of magical, right? So they do, and I think that it's it's a good. It's been a good example in in our family for of that. You know, sometimes we try things that are not great successes. I mean, if it's dessert, you can probably still eat it. But you know, not everything that we make is beautiful or um, you know, or perfect and. You know, we'll just try again next year. I made a really bad flan uh, like two years ago for the Feast of St. Louis Maria. It was terrible. I made myself put it on Instagram anyway because I put pretty things on Instagram. So I was like, yes. here, I have to submit. I mean, just try flan. And people had advice for how to make a better flan. So maybe I'll try again. <laughs> That's great. Um, and then just, you know, looking ahead past um, Pope John Paul II's feast day, I'm always curious to hear how people do Halloween, All Saints Day, All Souls Day without going crazy with all the mm -hmm. costumes um, and all of the things that you do. I, I know on your blog, you've had some very creative ideas about how to do a, a costume that works for Halloween and All Saints Day. So mm -hmm. if look at that. That's pretty neat. Um, and how, how do you handle kind of the balance between Halloween, All Saints Day, not to stir up controversy here, but I think it's an important thing to talk about. 
Yeah, I think that there, you know, I go into a lot of detail in the book about it that uh, that has been really interesting to me as because, of course, you know, you hear should Catholics even celebrate Halloween? Um, And I did a lot of research into it and became very convinced that, yes, you know, if anyone should celebrate Halloween, Catholics should. It's a it's a Catholic holiday with Catholic, uh, you know, with a Catholic backstory and and not all of the. things to the contrary that that you've heard and I mean it, it there there's a lot of sort of interesting backstory on there but um but I love the idea of the of of you know skeletons and and the the sort of slightly macabre tinges that go along with Halloween um have traditionally been to remind us of our own mortality and to, right. you know, to remind us that someday we will die and we have to live our lives with that in mind, um, and 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 so that that image of of skeletons and skulls is you know is really to remind us on um, on uh, as part of this what we call hallow tide. Um, so we have um, Halloween and then All Saints Day and All Souls Day. So uh, Halloween is really the day that we you know we think about what we call the church militant, which is the the church um, on earth and and that we are striving, you know, to live a life of of personal holiness so that we could get to heaven. Um, And and so keep bearing that in mind, but still having a good time and having fun and going trick-or-treating and wearing costumes you know that can that can all be part of it, but uh, you know it, it, I, I like that inspiration for for being able to have that conversation with the kids. Like, why you know why is there this skull here? Right. I'll, I'll explain it to them. Right. Uh, right. And then um, and uh, and then the next day uh, for All Saints Day, we we focus on the church triumphant. So everybody in uh, in heaven, and it's a really beautiful day to think about the saints, the the potential saints in our own lives who, you know, all the saints who don't have a, aren't canonized, don't have a day on the liturgical calendar, but every person who is in heaven is a saint. And so the, the idea of, of all saints day is that, um, is that we are celebrating all of those, um, all of those saints who don't have their own individual day. So, you know, if you uh, if you had a very holy grandma or, you know, a, a child who, um, you know, who died young, then that, you know, that, that we can be confident is in heaven. And, and that's sort of their feast day. And then uh, and then All Souls Day on November 2nd is when we remember the holy souls in purgatory who will get to heaven one day but aren't there yet and need our prayers and our, um, and, 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 uh, and our sacrifices. And we're encouraged to visit a cemetery uh, in honor of uh, the Holy Souls in Purgatory that whole week from uh, November 1st through 8th. That's great. And I love how it's all connected, you know, because we, in our secular culture, you just kind of see this little snippet of just Halloween and just the, the creepy and the scary and the grotesque. But really, it's all connected when you bring out the Catholic, really, background of yeah. all of these states working together. So um, we do have another question here um, from Atina. Do you also talk about the saints with children as you cook 
or do some other activity or pray together a prayer to the specific saints, you know, when talking about the saints, how do you incorporate that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we certainly talk uh, as we're as we're preparing food, you know, why did we choose this food? Where, you know, when did the saint live? Where did the saint live? Where, um, or in some cases, you know, the traditional foods that are associated with them are not from a country that they ever visited, but just a country that sort of adopted them as as a patron saint. Um, so we definitely have have a conversation and there are a lot of really beautiful prayers throughout the liturgical year that are associated with particular seasons and particular days. So I really love that um, that liturgical living is sort of that framework for uh, for bringing in these different blessings and prayers and devotions that are associated with different um, different particular saints and different um, seasons. That's that's wonderful. Um, so. I also just wanted to, we talked about some ideas, gave some examples, just kind of maybe speak to someone who is listening and is like, wow, this sounds so amazing. I have no idea where to start. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. I'm going to get the book <laughs> and crack it open and start using it. Um, at the beginning, you actually addressed this, which I love. Um, where to start? If you're just starting out, where would you suggest starting? And it's, again, you have this in the book, but can you kind of give us a little hint as to what you would um, recommend? Yeah, and uh, so I think a big part of it for us was just taking, you know, you might think that you're not doing any liturgical living in the home, but but you probably are. You probably mm -hmm. are celebrating Halloween. You probably are celebrating Christmas. So taking a look at those holidays and saying, you know, how can I um, understand a little bit more about, about what these holidays mean as a Catholic, and how can I, you know, share that with my family and 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 my community? Um, so that's you know, there's liturgical living that you're already doing, but all it takes is sort of a little bit of change in mindset. And then um, after that, as far as adding in new things, what what worked best for us is to start inwardly focused, even mm -hmm. though um, you know, and and focus on the saints. And, and feast days that are particularly associated with the members of our family mm. through, um, you know, name days uh, right. or, you know, patron saints. Because even though those days are maybe not as important to the universal church, that, um, you know, focusing inward on our family makes it um, sort of easier to get to get that toehold in and, re and really get started. So we celebrate what we call the three special days for each person in our family what we call the three special days for each person in our family, which is birthday, name day, and baptism day. So mm. we're probably already celebrating birthdays. Right. Um, but, but to celebrate our baptism days, you know, if we believe what we say we believe about baptism, that's actually a much more important day to, to remember and celebrate. So, um, you know, if you don't know, your baptism date or your um, or you don't remember exactly when your kids were baptized, you can, you know, do a little research and call the parish where you were baptized, ask your mom um, and find out those dates and get them written down on your calendar. And then we allow the person whose special date is to choose a special meal and we pull out our baptismal candles or you can always buy a new baptismal candle. They have them in gift shops and even on Amazon. Just buy another one if you can't find yours. Uh, and we, you know, light the baptismal candle. We renew our baptismal promises. And, 
you know, just talk about at dinner why baptism is important and, you know, funny little stories that we remember from that day. And that, you know, there's nothing else that that solidifies the importance of that to your kids than, yeah. than actually, you know, paying attention to it and, um, you know, in the family, showing them with your actions that it's that, that you believe it's important. And then the third day, the third is the name is their name day. And so, you know, all of our kids have um, saints names uh, that, that we chose to name them after particular saints that we wanted um, them to have as intercessors in their lives. And so, you know, using those days to uh, to talk about that saint and help strengthen that relationship of, of the child with their name saint. And if, like me, your name is not currently the name of a canonized saint, currently, <laughs> you can, you know, just choose another patron saint. I like to use my confirmation saint, um, or you know, maybe your middle name, or a, you know, I, I love going through and finding, you know, connections, um, or you know, or just a favorite saint. As long as if you if you want to just pick whatever one you want um, to be your patron saint. Um, but, uh, and, and then choose those as maybe the first St. Days that you start celebrating. That's great advice. And I love how sometimes you have to just be very practical. Like you said, get the, the baptism candles, write it on your calendar, write the, write the, the name days, write the baptism dates. Um, for years, baptism dates were actually something that we added in later in our family because I didn't have, you know, I didn't make it a priority to get it together yet, but once I just spent an hour getting the candles, writing it in my Outlook calendar, setting the reminders, it's been very easy to incorporate that. We've really enjoyed the baptismal days, and um, I just, I love that. Yeah, and that's just really so key. If you want it to happen, you know, you have to write it in a place where it will remind you, and so I, I like to have it on our on our wall calendar, which, you know, I, I have a <laughs> all the Saints Day, um, you know, days that we're gonna that uh, that we want to celebrate, and then I, I, you know, write in any um, of our kids' uh, dates that don't appear on there, and then I also put it in my calendar on my phone with a reminder right. a week before and a reminder, that, you know, the two days before, and it, I don't know, I no, I guess it, I have it like two days before and on the day of, so that I will actually remember that it's coming up. Exactly. <laughs> and those um, years make a big difference. I can yeah. attest. I really agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. get it, you know, get the information where you're going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kendra, I just, I think we're going to be wrapping up in a few minutes here, but I just wanted to quickly give a little plug for your book, um, a little book about confession, which came out a while ago, probably at least five years ago. Yeah. Um, I think maybe 2013. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another book that you have with Ignatius Press. I tried to find it, but um, one of my kids was using it, and I can't find <laughs> it. It's just a little book that's great for preparing. Um, if you have kids that are going to be making their first confession, like I do this year, it's just a great little resource you can read with them and go over with them. So I, I really appreciate that one. And then, of course, we have this book, which we've been talking about, The Catholic All Year Compendium, The Church of the Living for Real Life. And then I was just wondering if you could maybe give us a little sneak peek about um, some new projects you're working on. Yeah, so I actually have two books coming out soon. One is uh, on the Jesse tree, 
uh, just a short book. Uh, it's, I think it launches November 12th. So look for it <laughs> quickly. Um, and it's a, you know, just sort of short reflections um, for families who, who want to um, trace salvation history through the Old and New Testament uh, in preparation for Christmas. Mm. I think we might have lost Kendra there. <laughs> well, Kendra, thank you so much for coming. And then in the spring, I have oh hi. <laughs> a little technical challenge. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, so it's called the Catholic All Year uh, Prayer Companion, and I make a lot of recommendations for different prayers and blessings, scripture verses that are associated with different feast days. I make recommendations for those in the compendium. But this prayer companion has them all in one place. So you don't have to look up things on your phone. You don't have to, you know, look through uh, through a stack of prayer books, which is what I have been doing and why I, why I put this together, because I just wanted a resource that would be easy to just, you know, flip to the day, open it up, and have that there as a resource for your family and get to try all these different beautiful prayers and devotions that have been practiced for Catholics for a thousand years, thousands of years. Um, and, and I really love you know, getting to participate uh, in that culture, that that heritage that uh, that's so important. That's great. So the, that book will be coming out in the spring. And again, it's meant to go along with yeah, um, I think this book here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're very excited about that book. And who knows what will be coming out in the future. I know you have a lot of great ideas. And of course, we're, we're so excited about all the stuff that you're doing. Um, and thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're a busy mom, so yes. appreciate it that you took the time to come on with us today and tell us all about liturgical living. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kendra. Have a great day. This podcast has been brought to you by Ignatius Press. We encourage you to check out our books and videos at your local Catholic bookstore or wherever else books and videos are sold. You can also sign up to receive special discounts on books and videos at ignatius.com. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please like the podcast on the website or app from which you listen to it. And please tell your friends about it. I'm Mark Brumley, and on behalf of everyone at Ignatius Press, thanks for listening.